Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for episode four of Wild Stallion and the Sexy Guy, otherwise known as the Marvel TV property, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's a show about large world events and small personal relationships and sexy, sexy Baron Zemo. And with me (laughs) to discuss this week's episode, uh, which I believe was called The World is Watching, the world is watching us, the world is watching you, the world is watching, we're watching. Here is a man who, when he cosplayed as Captain America at a medieval fair one time, he most <laughs> definitely brought the pain to a bunch of hippie Renaissance reenactors by smashing <laughs> them in the face with his own paper mache, paper mache, vibranium shield. It's Stuart Late. Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Wow, that's uh, that's a heck of an intro. Yes, uh, I did once attend the medieval fair at Caboolture dressed as Captain America. And Natalie, the reception was hostile at best. Uh, I have to say. <laughs> There was a stra- I should point out that um, it was a group of friends and I, and we went as various superheroes, basically because we, the, the bit that we were doing was that we we hadn't understood <laughs> that everyone was dressing up as medieval people. We just thought everyone was dressing up in cool costumes. So we showed up as superheroes, which I think is a solid bit. I, I think, you know, it, it's a bit conceptual, but I think people will get it if, you, if you're walking around as a group. Um, it's like, oh, oh, it's a medieval thing. Okay, I get it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're here now. Who else um, did have? I think I think we had a we had a Batman and a Superman and I think it was probably too early for Thor's but there there was a there might have been a, 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 a Spider Man walking around as well. Because this was a long time ago, I feel like this was slightly before the MCU dominated our culture, and I feel it's, like it's absolutely this is way before um like like Captain America would have been a known property like people knew who Captain America was but he had yet to be rehabilitated as Steve Rogers in the MCU like mm. it was. It was very much like a, a weird, janky comic book character from the 40s. Um, <laughs> so I showed up in this very cut-rate Captain America costume. And as I say, like, as I would walk around the various, like, tents and things, there would just be behind me this angry susurrus of, of whispered conversations. Like, like oh, what's he wearing that for? What's that? What, what gets? Completely breaks the, you know, <laughs> just people, people being out of their minds angry with me but being very quiet and polite about it you know and it's weird because you know there are are people walking around with actual swords like like if things had gone bad you know i was not i did not have a a vibranium shield so you know it would all fortunately it all worked out and that was a very fun day but um and i should say i actually really enjoy the medieval fair and i I go like i have gone many times in the past and i will go again like because they're always a good time i think Oh, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. just, just you know, we, we we just decided that would be a funny thing to do, and it was funny, and it's still <laughs> funny. It makes me laugh to this day. You weren't um, there as as participants. This is the thing, because as, no, no, no. as, no, as, as I, no, just walking around. Yeah, as I've said on this podcast, I took up historical fencing for a while and hopefully one day when my finances and time will allow it, I would love to take it up again because it's so much fun. But they are sticklers, you know, the actual groups who go. They're real sticklers for historical, you know, and period accuracy. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like they even say you can't sort of colour your hair. Like if you're one of those people who has pink hair or blue hair, like no dice. You can't wear jewellery. You can't wear watches. You've got to, you know, be in the right. If you're you're there officially as part of like like as a reenactor, you have to be like period accurate. Yeah. They they are super strict about it. And then in walks me with this this (laughs) this Velcro Captain America suit. We have to find because I'm pretty sure I saw it on Facebook. Like you posted. There are yeah. There are there are still photos. There's photos up. I prefer that they didn't see the light of day, but we'll see how that goes. I was gonna say I could find one and post it like uh, to my Patreons and just go as a special surprise. Here's Stuart Latest Captain America. I just remember being really impressed. (laughs) because <laughs> the closest thing that I did to that was a couple of years ago, I had some friends who were in a production of uh, The Crucible. Uh, right, uh, yes. Of course, Arthur Miller's great play about uh, the Joseph McCarthy era couched in the Salem witch trials. So Greg from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast and I had this um, sort of offhand idea of, hey, we should turn up in like T-shirts that say like, burn the witch, uh, which became <laughs> over the course of four days to us fully cosplaying as Puritan era <laughs> 
With the full, you know, American colonial, like the buckle hats and I had an, a, a white hood and sort of the colonial dress, uh, imagine yeah, yeah. Salem dress, and uh, turning up with large signs that read down with witches and burn the witches and like fully cosplaying <laughs> at the opening night of their show. And having the director who we both knew turn up going, you're not going to do anything in the show are you and we're like no of course we're not going to do anything in the show we just have friends in the audience so we've put their names on the on the poster saying you know down with goody liz and and uh up with marcelin and you know our friends just to like yeah have some fun but everyone was kind of slightly worried about us <laughs> i say more cosplay at the theatre. That's Absolutely. what I think. People should definitely dress up in costumes and go. I love it when I see people dressed up in costumes. Uh, it is great fun. And if anyone wants to come to anything that I do dressed as Captain America, including you, Stu, <laughs> I want you to be free to yeah, do Maybe that. I can dust off the old costume. Yes. In fact, I insist. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I've just sent you a, uh, a picture uh, which I have uh, recovered from the depths of Facebook. Oh my um, I'm looking. It was actually in in 2010. Wow! Uh, so several years ago. So it's so more than 10 years ago. Okay. Uh, but yes, Just I don't know whether you, I don't know whether that's come through yet. But yes, there we go. <gasps> Stu, that's beautiful. And that's not even that's not even right. That's all you. That's all Stuart. <laughs> there, there's He's, a little bit of foam padding. You've Chris Evans yourself there. You've gone into the the bucket. And then they've put the drugs in you and you've come out of the bucket. I'm pretty sure it wasn't a bucket, but that was the first word that came to mind. <laughs> Got into That's, the bucket, like the, the vat. The vat. Yeah, it was. they put him in a vat. I was uh, watching clips of uh, Marvel movies just on my phone for some reason last night, just trying to remember bits and pieces of who did what. I found out, Stu, that there are a whole bunch of things that Falcon has referenced in this show that are references to previous Marvel movies. The, the whole thing about Trouble Man, Troubled Man, the, the, the Marvin Gaye album. Y- yes, yes, yes. That, that, was, that was from uh, The Winter Soldier, yes. That was from The Winter Soldier. That, that's what he recommended to Steve to listen to, to catch up on yes. modern culture. Sorry, did, did we not discuss that last week? Because, yes, that's absolutely I don't think we discussed from. Yeah, we didn't discuss that. And then the other thing was um, To Your Left, To Your Left, which is when Steve's doing laps oh, around. On Your Left. On yeah. your left. And then when they all come back in the portal, Falcon's going. In, famously in the portals, yeah, he says on your left, yeah. your left. Now, was Falcon dusted or was he not dusted? No, he was, he was dusted, yeah. He was dusted. And Bucky was yeah. dusted too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm with you now. So, yeah, I was trying to catch up on old movies, but I think I am going to have to go back and rewatch all the Marvel movies because there's clearly a lot that has not stuck in my brain that would make referential sense should I look at them again. <laughs> particularly with this season of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Should we start with our minute challenge then? Yes, let's do that. Uh, Do you want to go first or is it my turn? So I can go first if you like. Okay, you go first because I think you'll be more sensible and (laughs) well-rounded. Fair enough, okay. So the first thing on my list obviously is uh, Captain America is (laughs) cancelled. See, I wrote Cap is jacked! <laughs> so you went with like the more cunning sort of topical phrasing and I was just like the dude has got roid rage. He's got full on roid rage. Well, I think it's more complex than that and that's what's really interesting. Um yeah, I know it's more complex because you, but uh, this is me. I reduce everything it's... to abs and roids. <laughs> I have two modes. That's true. That's true. <laughs> he's, he's juicing. He's juicing and he's got the rage. He is juicing it. And he is. He finally is in this episode. I, I, I suspected this is what would happen to him because they've been sort of pointing out and he has had this inferiority complex the entire time about the fact that he's not technically a super soldier. He mm. is a heavily decorated military veteran, but yes. he's not a superhero in the in the classical sense. He doesn't have superpowers. And, you know, that we see that come to a head in this episode where the Dora Milaje just wiped the floor with him and oh, Battlestar. Yeah. And he kind of says, man, they weren't even super soldiers, yeah. <laughs> you know, like they were just highly trained military people and they, also, they completely kicked their asses. Also women. So just adding an extra level of uh, criticism. That's there. true. Yes, absolutely. But I, I was just going to say that really it's the version of my penis isn't big enough that you can put before a family <laughs> audience. 
This is what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Innocent. Cap is like, oh, those chick warriors from Wakanda have bigger bigger balls than I do. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's definitely, innocent. I mean, that's definitely a read on it. Everything is reduced to simplicity with me. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, simpler is often better. <laughs> um, but as we're seeing in this in this show, not everything is so simple. There's definitely shades of grey, and so we get actually a really great showcase for for Wyatt Russell in this, where he sort of is playing someone who is like deeply insecure about yes. being Captain America, which is kind of it's relatable in many ways. Like, I mean, you know, who yes. could step into Steve Rogers' shoes? Like, Sam didn't think he could do it, and he gave up the shield. And John Walker has been kind of forced into this role in many ways. Like, he he. Took, he accepted the role, but, like, it was almost an order. Like, they kind of said to him, son, you're going to be the next character, Captain America. And he mm. was like, okay, I guess I am. And, you know, what choice did he really have? And as he said in, says in this episode, the uh, medals that he has just make him remember the worst day of his life. The other thing that he said is that he's finally doing something that he feels like is right and that's what yes. makes it so, so interesting. And I completely agree. Wyatt Russell is just killing this. And, like, I know we talked last week about him being bullied and stuff for his character, but this is such a well-written character. I think they've done such a good mm. job with the grey areas of John Walker. And I know I joke about, hey, he's jacked, but, you know, it was a, a, a brutal moment. It was a surprising moment and yet an, a not wholly unexpected moment. And I think it's just been played so, so well. And this is the interesting thing. It makes you have those discussions about he is someone who has done terrible things and been rewarded for them. And now he's finally yes. doing something yeah, yeah. that he feels is the right thing to do, but he's frustrated because he can't keep up with all the bad guys and, mm. and even, you know, the good guys as well that he's supposed to be either working with or against. It's incredibly relatable and and well played. I absolutely agree. You could make this guy, you know, very whiny and you could also make him a complete idiot and, and you know, horrible person. And they don't do either of those things. Like like he is, you know, he's he's unhinged by the end of the episode, but mm. you see how he got there, you know, this drive to be the best, but also dealing with terrible trauma in many ways. Like, you know, mm. he's He's effectively like suffering constant PTSD. PTSD, yeah. Um, which has not been <laughs> picked up by any of the people who I assume would be like vetting him for these pro for these <laughs> things. Like he's definitely, you know, just completely sidestepped any of that. And yeah, you know, it, but you know, I, I just think that image, like, like it's such a, a clever image. It's not the first time, you know, that iconography has been used, but just that, like, the blood splatter on the shield as he sort of picks it up again is just. Like, it's perfect. It's one of those comic book moments that will just, I think, will have a life of its own. Like, like it's, it's such an iconic image. The second thing on my list, Stu, because, you know, it sounds like we might be doing tandem lists, but I wrote, is there a better metaphor for 20th century American geopolitics yeah, uh, and military go. intervention than a man dressed as Captain America with a bloodied American flag shield? That a man dressed as Captain America in a country that is not America yes. beating an enemy combatant to death with the symbol of, like, hope and and protection. Yeah. Like, it's so clever. It's clever. Like, it's, it's very clever. It's very... It's it's obviously deliberate on the part of the showmakers, uh, and it's very well done. Like, like it... Mm. Everything sort of flows from it. Having said that, I did think that it was weird. It, it's hard to explain. Like, they, they, they were having a fight, like, like you know, in, initially. And then, like, Battlestar gets kicked into a concrete pillar and dies because, of course, he did. He's a, he's a human soldier and not, a like, a, a super soldier. So he dies of, of very serious injuries almost immediately. And everyone acts like, oh, oh. Like, like it, it's almost like when you're having, like, a play fight in the playground and someone takes it too far and, like, chucks a rock at someone or something. And like someone starts bleeding, and all of a sudden, all the kids start freaking out. Like, yeah. oh, oh, no, no, that's too far, too far. It's yeah, like, they were. They, what, yeah, what was what was going to happen here? Like, were you trying to arrest people? Were they trying to get away? It felt like they were trying to kill each other. Yeah. And then someone did die, and suddenly it was like stakes raised. Yeah, you know? and it's it's interesting because it's that superhero fighting thing of where all these people are beating the shit out of each other, but nobody seems to really be hugely affected by it like physically affected by it and then all of a sudden someone just dies and it, it was almost like falcon and the winter soldier like well hang on a second everyone just hang on whoa 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa whoa guys too far too far i'm calling yeah. dead we were like slightly pulling our punches but you guys you're being super soldiers who don't 
naughty. <laughs> and that's the thing, yeah. Like, like you're absolutely right. It's it's you know the the, the flag smashers are possibly past the point that were almost certainly past the point of no return at this point. Like they, it's something that you can't walk back from. But what Captain America does, which brings me back to my main point, is he does it in public in front of everyone and everyone's recording and everyone has a camera phone out and is getting vision of it. Yeah, they're uh, all so live this, streaming. They're all live streaming. And so I imagine the fallout from that next episode is going to be huge and immediate mm. and it'll be interesting to see what happens. We're kind of doing the end of the start here, but but I you know, I, I definitely think that that's going to be something that, that plays into episode five is... Well, what does this mean? Like, does he get recalled? Like, do you stop being Captain America? And what does that mean when you've already taken the super soldier serum? You're a super soldier now. But he took it himself. He wasn't kind of given it by the government, so they would lock him up, I assume, in a no, totally, strong facility. But, but that's, well, that's what I mean. Like, you know, so what what do you do with, with a guy who can theoretically punch through walls now? Like, what, you know, how, how does that work? Can you build you know, a cage like, like, strong enough to hold John Walker? I think it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, the, the next uh, item on my list was we're not so different, you and I. There was that lovely uh, meeting between Sam and Kari. Mm. Uh, you know, like, like he gets through to her, you know, like and, and we, we are reminded that like that's what Sam did before he started doing all this superhero stuff was he was a veterans counselor. So he knows how to talk to people. Yeah. You know, like he knows how to talk to people and he knows how to talk people down from doing terrible things. Mm. If, you know, John had just hung back, you know, he might have gotten through to Carly, but then that all happened and then then it kicked off in the way that it did. The testosterone kicked in, Stu. Mm. Indeed. And And yet you could argue Sam was the bigger man. He was more of a man. (laughs) <laughs> I believe that is the, uh, the the subtext that the show was going for, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, use your words, not your fists. But then I thought it was interesting that they then undercut that by having Carly, like, threaten Sam's family. Yeah. You know, yeah, which, was... you know they, they keep putting their finger on the scales in this one. Like, she keeps doing this really heinous supervillain stuff and i don't think it's necessary like i feel like maybe this is just me like like i feel like if if they hadn't known that there were people still in the building when they blew it up or you know that the bomb went off early or something and it was like a mistake Mm. and she's like well we just have to own it now and then if there was less intent behind talking to sam's family like without the threat maybe yeah and sam takes it as a threat because you know and there there's like misunderstanding there maybe but she straight up threatens his family like you know that's mm. that's supervillain stuff you know now, you, you can't really justify that that's that's supervillain stuff so carly morgenthau she's got the the actress playing her is like a poppet she's like pippy longstocking she has this beautiful sure. like <laughs> wide-eyed innocent face with freckles and this curly red hair and you know she's very clearly been positioned as someone who does not look like a supervillain you imagine would look like you know they they even make this clear in the very first episode was the first or second episode uh when she was hiding in the truck and bucky found her and thought she was the hostage and she's like i'm just an innocent wee girl so she can't be that old she's got to be quite young because well, um, Erin Erin Kellyman, who plays her, is only 22 herself. So. Oh my God. Yeah, what I know. These, what are these children doing, Stu? What are the <laughs> the children? Are, they should be in school, Stu. The children. The children. Well, I mean, 22. She's probably probably doesn't have to be in school, but you know. <laughs> 22 may as well be 12, Stu. You know that. I know that. I was 22 <laughs> once. Look, I should have been in no, school. No disagreement from me. <laughs> Yeah, so she's they've, they've cast a young actor to play a young character, I think, and I think that that's kind of informing that sort of sense of teenage, hey, I can change the world. It seems to be very much a driving yeah. force of her character. And unlike a lot of teenagers who kind of go, well, I could show them if I had power, she's actually got power. She is a super soldier. Mm. So she can ostensibly change the world. But she still suffers from the same ignorance as not the right word, but maybe naivety as well, thinking that... Yeah, exactly. You know, but at least we got the... To me, it seemed a bit clearer this week that she's fighting for the people who were left behind and the Mm. the refugees, as it were, because she said, no, they're not refugees, they're displaced 
persons or whatever they were called, but they're they're people who had been told, oh, come and move into our country. So I guess yes, our well, economy. This is what I, I did want to talk about this. I didn't have this on my list, but but this is definitely something that I wanted to sort of talk to you about because we were talking last week about how we're still a bit fuzzy as to exactly what happened. Like like the, the show has been very oblique in what exactly everyone is annoyed about. Yes. And what their goals are. And this this episode really clarifies a lot of things, which is that once the snap happened, half the world's population disappears. So a lot of borders kind of became very porous, like just because people were like, well, come in, I guess. Like, I, I'm not mm. certain that that would happen in the real world. But I mean, I guess, you know, we're, we're accepting that it, it happened in the MCU. So basically... People just said, hey, look, we need people around to do stuff. So if you want to come and live in a nicer place, please mm. do. And then the the absolutely bananas thing to me is that when people were snapped back, everyone just went, okay, yeah, back to normal. Everyone go away now. Yeah, but and the so, idea that they've been resettled or sent back so quickly, like you're talking – we're talking sort of six months since, since the snap, maybe a little more? Absolutely, yeah. It would it would feel a lot more accurate to me for people who had been snapped back to find themselves in that position. Yes. Because, like, in a lot of cases, their homes would have been sold, their, their possessions would have been gone, their bank accounts would be closed. They would be non-persons in many legal jurisdictions. And so getting people back on their feet after they were snapped back into existence would surely be more plausible than people from other places who came to countries and then were told, go away. Apparently every country on earth said, okay, everyone's back now, so go away. Yeah. And it's interesting that, that they, like, they've, they've set up this GRC to make sure that people who came back can readjust, which makes sense as well. Like it does make sense that people who've been away and their whole the whole world has moved on, how do you slot back into your mm. life? But it does seem a bit strange that they would immediately – but I guess maybe they're calling back to expulsions that have happened in countries in years gone by where people would just go, snap, okay, that's right, uh, let's expel the Jews, for instance, or let's expel this <laughs> well, ethnic yeah. minority group or, you know, so it's – probably hearkening to that kind of thing of just get get these people out of the country or you you have no right to live here anymore or if you stay sure sure yeah absolutely and that, that's mm. the space they're playing in absolutely but i mean just the just the specifics of it just seem a bit off to me like it feels yes. like it should be the other way around it feels like the people who, who were snapped back should be the ones in refugee camps to me well, i don't know yeah, that, it, that's... it makes sense that you're like oh my god all these people came back if you've just come back you need to come to us so we can reassign you id mm. reassign you you know a birth certificate and an identity and a, if you're in america a social yeah. security number and that kind of thing so you have you get your identity back and until we can do that we have to keep you all in an, in, in camps you need a place to live so we'll set up these uh refugee facilities displacement centers yeah non definitely aren't camps yeah <laughs> Exactly. So it does make sense that it would be that way as well. And then you've got those people going, we've come back, we've had nothing, we've come back, our lives haven't ended for us. They just, we just were away for two seconds and yeah. came back and everything had changed. Like we're being discriminated against. But yeah, they've gone the other way, which is everyone's gone hell for leather to make the, the snappies feel welcome back and the people who were left behind. But then they, there's that whole one world, one people element, which seems to be tapping into, wow, everything was great when there was half the people, which kind of backs up what Thanos was doing in the first place, if I can just say. <laughs> you know, the old purple guy was I right. Mean, that the balance maybe was restored and people were more friendly and had to like work together more and, you know, prioritize getting stuff done, which meant putting I aside mean, sure, differences. But I, I, although I feel like you could you could still have that be the case, but people who snapped back are the ones who end up in refugee camps. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it feels like both of those things could be true, mm. which is that, you know, the world was better – I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I'm fixating on that so much. It just it just struck me. I was like, oh, I thought the people who were snapped away and then came back would be the ones who would be like displaced, you know. But but it like they've gone the other way with it. It it just it just is an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, and I'm not totally sure I buy that that's what would happen. But you know, they would technically be dead. All of these people would have been legally declared dead. Exactly. You know, and it's it's like a massive pain in the ass if that happens to you to convince people that you're alive yeah like, it's, a it lot, just, it's a lot of paperwork like it does happen to certain people who go missing and then, and then turn up 
and it's like at the least a mountain of paperwork to convince people that you know you still exist mm. you know like it's just it's this whole thing i don't know it, it just it's a weird thing to focus on but i just i just sort of felt like mentioning it just because we got a lot clearer picture about what the socio-political sort of layout is now yeah and it only took us until episode four to get it um <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm glad that we got a, a better sort of idea about what was happening. And so, yeah, like, like you know, how far gone is Carly? Like, can she be reasoned with? And also, like, she had several extra doses of the super soldier serum, which now don't exist anymore, thanks to uh, the next uh, the next person on my list, oh, which is smooth uh, segue. Smooth segue. <laughs> that was beautiful. That transition. It was just like ah, uh, like an ocean breeze. Uh, Sorry, I shouldn't much. point out the segue. Yes, no, no. <laughs> it, does, it does tend to derail the segue when you point out the segue as the segue is taking place. <laughs> I, I joked on Twitter this week that um, you and I are firmly in Team Zemo, and I'm sure that nothing that happens in the next few episodes will sway us from that. But, yep, no, still Team Zemo. What I wrote about Zemo, because this was most of my list, so I'll just insert it here. Uh, I wrote, Zemo got... Secrets from kids, shot Carly, slammed with the shield, stomped some serum, and slipped away. Absolutely. That was his episode. He was, was just, yeah, and, and, you know, spent most of the episode either eating Turkish delights like he's in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, <laughs> or, like, sipping a fine brandy. Like, I just, he is living his best life. It is amazing. Well, I love him. He, he got dinged by Captain America's uh, The Shield. It, like, went bong off the side of his head, and he collapsed to the ground. And then you see him later just kind of recovering with like an ice pack on it's his head like an ice pack. <laughs> and a brandy. Yeah. And and they showed it sort of its rubbery, I guess, effect that it kind of bounced. But I still think that would lay you out for days. That would like screw up your yeah, eyesight. Yeah, you, you, would, you would at best have a serious concussion. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, slight bruising. But, you <laughs> slight know. bruising. I, I have to take my, uh, my constitutional of brandy. <laughs> he's so good though. And he's strutting up those uh, beautiful cobbled vertical streets in Riga. They're just... Hey, let me uh, walk uphill towards. <laughs> it's just I don't know. They just frame him every hit every angle. That fur collar is just yeah, it's great. So good. It's but so yeah, good. he he had a he had a packed episode while not being the main guy in the episode. If that makes sense, like he he no totally yeah. He's sort of just on the sidelines, constantly just sniping, undermining. Yeah, and it's and good. just that whole thing with the kids. Like, see those men there? They are very bad. Do not tell them anything. <laughs> And then he found out where the, the funeral was for that Mama mm. Donya, Mama Donya, uh, who uh, just yeah, sure. <laughs> who just seemed to be like a MacGuffin-y type character. I don't know if characters can mm. be MacGuffin, but she's like the the one person who united them and made them believe in themselves so they could carry out revolution. I guess totally. He used that as leverage. So he's everything he's doing. Zemo's doing is just to stay one step ahead, so they can't, you know, so they can't send him. They can't hand him, him over to the Dora Milaje. That's right. And then he uses the opportunity of them all fighting each other to just slip out of the toilet. Well, a hole yeah. in the bathroom floor. Well, he, he does it. He does an El Chapo, as, as uh, El Chapo. That was the reference. I was like trying to think if they made a joke about a prison reference or a prison break or something. <laughs> El Chapo. Did he go through a toilet? Did he? I think. Well, I think he went through a sewer. Yeah. Ah, right. Yes, that makes sense. What else? Well, that was that was my Zemo. Is there more we talk about? How how else can we just rave about Zemo for for a few minutes? <laughs> yeah, can we can we just make this the Zemo podcast now? <laughs> Zemo on. Um, he definitely like it was it was a weird vibe. I thought when he like approached the children with literal candy. I thought yeah. that was a bit strange. <laughs> um, but then he is a bad guy, so I think you know we're we're, we're we're in stable ground there anyway. He he plays it very well, and you sort of remember that oh you know he used to be a dad, like he used to have a kid who got killed in the bombing. So it all works out in the end. But there there was definitely a couple of tense sort of what are you doing, man? You're yeah. <laughs> approaching those kids with literal candy. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, worked out. It worked out. He got the, he got the info he wanted. But yes, the uh, the serum stomping. Can we talk about him finding the serum and from Carly and stomping it? So this is the thing. Everyone's like chasing Carly, and he just grabs a gun and gets after her with a gun. Like I'm just going to shoot. Well, her. I think I'm- because even John Walker's Captain America at that point is still trying to arrest her. 
Like they're yes. not they're not trying to kill her. Like they're trying to bring her in mm. because she's a wanted terrorist. So they want to arrest her. And I think he's the only one who's like, no, I'm I'll just shoot her. Yeah. I'll just shoot her a bunch of times and then she'll be dead. Yeah, easy way, guys. Why do this in five steps when I can just shoot her right now in one? That's it. I can just shoot her in the head and it'll be fine. Game over. We're done. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> she, yeah, so he just he just went after her. And then, of course, she's picked up, like, why she collected the super serum before the funeral. That was just a stupid move. Like, you go to yeah, the funeral, I mean, you leave the super serum protected so you can get it later. Yeah, that, that definitely felt plot-related rather than a good yeah. decision related. But I, I think the ostensible thing is that she was going to choose another few people to turn into super soldiers. Mm from her followers and obviously so, the serum you know, is different now like you don't the scientists explained it last last week like, like there's not you know there's none of the side effects that there used to be um and that you don't you don't become like some jacked up you know muscle man it just enhances you in every way without turning you into like a, a, a steve rogers type oh that's disappointing <laughs> yeah exactly I was, I was thinking i wouldn't mind a few extra muscles if you were <laughs> if you were jacking up like that you know like come on if you want to give me extra speed and extra strength, then, like, make it look like I have those things. Yeah, that's You know, it. <laughs> I'm quite happy to kind of bulk up the old delts and traps and lats. And you'd think going to the gym more I would know what all these muscles are, but I still don't. I just – they tell me to lift something heavy and I attempt to do it. That's it. Uh, muscles are the things that hurt the next day. Yes, if I can just uh, – briefly brag oh, here we go yes yes absolutely you reached a, a very significant milestone this week yeah i uh i made a 75 kilo deadlift and i'm pretty happy with that that is that is not nothing yeah that was my goal at the start of the year when they told us to write down some goals and i was like okay i'm gonna try and do 75 kilos on a deadlift and a back squat we haven't done the back squats yet so i think last mm. time i tried that i was maybe at 50 or something but maybe one yeah. day 75 but uh yeah and that extra five kilos to get to the 75, my hands were like slipping. Yes. So I didn't have the grip yeah. strength to hold onto the bar very well. So my hands were like slipping and I was wearing gloves too. And I was like, I can't hold it. So Did you have um, straps? Straps. Did you have like, you can get like weightlifting straps that like connect to the bar. Stew. <laughs> 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 what are you going to, my friend? This is all raw <laughs> nat power, just raw right. grip. Yeah, Fair enough. so that, I've got to work on my grip strength now so I can, like, hold on to heavier weights because that's mm. the issue is, like, oh, you can lifting is one thing but not having it just fall out of your hands because you can't Yeah, grip. totally. <laughs> it's a problem. It's genuinely a problem, especially, like, with seriously heavy weights. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, which is I why think... there's, like, there's, like, straps that you can get. They don't just clip on, but, like, they kind of wrap around your wrist and then they wrap around the oh. bar. Oh, and, okay. And and it sort of it takes some of the load for your hands. Yeah, um, that so would make sense. So you're still deadlifting 75 kilos, but it's just not. I'm sorry, this is now the weightlifting podcast. Yeah, I'm not... that's right. It's it's the swole cast. We're just talking <laughs> about our gains. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I will say, to be honest, like because I'm I'm badly out of shape, although I have lost a lot of weight recently, but um I'm still badly out of shape. I would be hard pressed to to deadlift 75 kilos. So you've done very well. You could though. Blokes are just stronger. Like you just the guys who were deadlifting in the testing week that they were doing like 120, 130, 140. Yeah. Like so yeah. they were doing up to double what I was doing, sweating and finding it really hard, but. You know, they could do, I guess, 100, 110 pretty easily. So blokes just, they just have more muscle just sitting there. Even blokes, like, who are not necessarily training or anything can, like, just pick up stuff. Very envious. Yeah. It's, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. Like, I don't, it, you know, being able to lift something heavy is not necessarily going to help me in all aspects of my life. But I just, I needed that win, Stu. I just needed a win. <laughs> Hey, this look, week. I totally get it. And you got the win. I got that win because I failed on it my... And you got it. I failed on my upper body one. I was going for 30 kilos on a strict press, which is just where you get the bar and then you just push it up over your head. And I, I've been able to do 27.5 and I was trying for 30 and I got one up and then came down. And then it's just, it's like your arms just switch off. It was incredible. It's like I was like pushing, 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 and just nothing was happening. I was like, but I'm moving, yeah. I'm pushing, and nothing is happening. So I put it down, had a long rest, and then came back to try it again. Again, got one 30 kilo up. And then just couldn't do the second. So you have to get three to kind of pass that weight 
if that makes sense. Sure, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, still at 27.5, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to get 30. Um, um, absolutely. But can I can I say, though, like, like that's that's not a bad thing. Like, that just means that your muscles are acclimatizing to the, the higher weight. Yes, that's right. You know, so it, it's just taking and, me and a bit longer. It is, it is the weirdest feeling in the world, though. Like, I've there's been points in my life where I've gone to the gym quite regularly, and you have those moments where you, you push it a little bit heavier than what you're used to, and your muscles just stop working. It's incredible. Like you're telling them to do something, and they yes. just won't do it. They just stop. Yeah. It's, it's the most bizarre feeling. It's so weird. And, of course, like everyone's yelling, going, you know, you got to want it, you got to want it. And I'm, like, standing there going, I really want this, but my muscles clearly don't. <laughs> I'm wishing as hard as I can, wishing and pushing as hard as I can, and nothing's happening. It's so, so funny. But anyway. But, um, hey, you're doing food right, man. That's that's my challenge. That's my, you know, if I was like, no, I'd end up like Thor, you know, and Thor like just starts eating and drinking, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. That's me, like still really strong. Like when in, in Infinity War, you know, or Endgame, he was still had massive arms. Like yeah, totally. massive beefcake arms. And, just and, could, like and a, could still like hold his own against Thanos, you know. Yeah, exactly. In his pajamas. But, yes, back to Wild Stallion and the sexy guy. Absolutely, Where were we up yes. to? So, well, the next item on my list was uh, Wakanda Forever uh, because we yeah. get the Dora Milaje showing up in earnest uh, in this episode, which is fantastic. And something that didn't occur to me while I was watching it, but but it makes a lot of sense that you have a show that is deeply interested in the experience of African-Americans. So, of course, uh, Wakandans show up because mm. that is, as far as the MCU is concerned, that's that's a, a very important piece of the tapestry when it comes to, to that issue. These people from, you know, technologically superior African nation. And they're an important piece of the of the puzzle and, and mm. the conversation, which I thought was really interesting. But in, on top of that, like just everything between Aya and Bucky uh, yeah. was fantastic. Just great. Great mm. character stuff. I loved it. Sebastian Stan acting the crap out of... Uh, oh, that geez, flashback scene? Flashback yeah. Where, where he finally figures out that oh. they've managed to deprogram him and get rid of the Winter Soldier uh, triggers. And he's crying, um, but he's also smiling because he's happy, and but he's yeah, also sad. Yeah, yeah. You know, he knows where he's yeah. been, but he can see hope for where he's going. And I'm just like, Bucky, I'll comfort you, Bucky. I'll comfort <laughs> you. I'll share a tent with you, White Wolf, in the Wakandan wilderness. We can make soup <laughs> by the fire. I will dab your brow, your precious, pretty brow, <laughs> with my sleeve, and I will tend to your wounded heart. Yeah, he was really good. He was fantastic. All of my jokes slash wanton, latent sexual desire aside, uh, yeah, just such a lovely – and saying the words – have those words been uttered before or have I just forgotten? Uh, Not all the way through in this show. They've been said before in Civil War, I'm pretty sure. It's an interesting choice. It's like Furnace and Seventeen and Neighbour and no, totally. Well, it's, it's meant to be a random sequence of words that wouldn't be repeated in everyday conversation. Right. Um. So it's his Manchurian candidate trigger, and mm. so that activates him as the Winter Soldier. How do they get all of the words out? And then he's like, there was a, a lot of words. Like, surely he could be like, ah, 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 and then punch him in the face before they get all the words out. I think, sense. like, when he was in his like Winter Soldier days, he was usually like in a stasis pod, <laughs> so they would usually just say the words, and then he would come out. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Fine. There's a reason. Did you say you've recently rewatched Civil War? No, no, no. I've been watching some clips. Oh, right. Okay. Right, and, right. And some little montage. In Civil, War, there's a, in Civil War, there's an exchange where Bucky is in like a prison cell sort of thing. And Zemo comes to him and reads the words out loud. And Bucky understands what's happening and tries to break out of the cell to get to Zemo before he can finish saying the words. Um, and then obviously doesn't manage to do it in time and, and uh, Zemo activates him. Right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having dreams of being able to activate Sebastian Stan under my control. <laughs> and get him to obey your every command. Yeah, sorry, I just went on a bit of a internal mental rabbit hole there, so that was very nice, and uh, <laughs> now we can proceed. <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> no, no, you just get caught up in the moment. Um, and then the final item on my list was Sharon is totally the power broker. We're all oh, on board with that. Yeah. So this is what I was watching her, and I think the first scene they they show is or of her, and she's like, yeah, I might have access to some satellites, and I just went, 
oh, I think Stu is very right. Yep, I, I think she's the power broker. That yeah. I, I, I like. I feel like the show thinks it's very clever, but I, I feel like she's the power broker, and I. I'm willing to, you know, eat humble pie on this if it turns out not to be the case, but feels pretty obvious to me. I don't know. Like, I don't know what everyone else is thinks. It, is it too obvious? Is it uh, going to be a twist like, and it's yeah. going to be Carly after all or something? Yeah, Carly was the power broker all along or some said, weird, weird said, thing. Yeah, she no said sense. something about how I'll deal with the power broker later. I don't know. Is it is it too, too obvious? Because it wasn't super – like, I'm not as smart as you, so you saw it last week, but then it was just <laughs> me. Well, it was just me having heard that in my head going, oh, yeah, this seems very like she'll be the power broker because there's no mention mm-hmm. of gender. It's just the power broker. There's, yeah. you know, no identifying features one way or the other. So it definitely is leaning that way. It feels like that. But then how would Brule – how would Brule – how would Dishy Daniel Brule – how would Zemo know that the power broker even existed? Because one would imagine that – like, how long has Sharon been on the run? Does it tie up with the dates? Or would she have started being power broker? Um, well, I think so, because if she she helped them during the Civil War, and then Cap was on the run for, like, two years after that, and then the snap happened, and then five years went by. So, like, seven years have gone by, theoretically, since she went on the run. So she yes, could have easily set herself up as, like, a crime lord in Southeast she, Asia. She could have, but how would Zemo know intimate knowledge of her operations? Because he would have gone to jail at the end of uh, Civil War. At the end of Civil War. That, that's true, exactly. And I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether that's a plot hole or whether there's an explanation that I'm just not thinking of. Yeah, interesting. It's definitely something, like, there's things all around this. Like, like individual character stuff has been fantastic in this show, but there is a lot of MCU lore that is kind of, a little bit nebulous, and I would like maybe a little bit more clarity on exactly what's going on. But overall, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was really, really good. I don't know whether yeah. you uh, felt the same way. No, it was super fun. I mean, I probably enjoyed last week's a little bit more just because of the full-on Zemo introduction and that star power. It was, yeah, the full-on Zemo-ness of it all. I, yeah. I think, and the dancing and all of now, the, the extended cuts and remixes and the 10-hour. <laughs> you can watch there a 10-hour cut. There is a 10-hour. And that was released by the, the official Marvel account. That's what I love. Really? Um, they know what the fans want. <laughs> They're, they're like, here you go. Here's Daniel Brühl dancing like a dork for 10 hours. I would love to know what he thinks of this. <laughs> I would love to know. Hopefully he'll be on. They, they've they been doing a really good job of getting all of the Marvel actors on the American late night shows. So on Jimmy Kimmel mm. oh, and yeah. Stephen Colbert and Seth Meyers and Disney stuff. Disney so, how to market itself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully they'll get Daniel Brühl on to talk about his sexy dancing and we can find yes. out what he thinks of it all in his mysterious. He's actually German-Spanish. Uh, to get his uh, heritage right. He's like Spanish-German, Germano-Spanish, Espanol-Deutsch. Not sure, but, yeah, he's he's sort of both heritages, which explains why he's so magnetically sexy and yet so efficiently sexy. (laughs) He's efficiently sexy. He's efficiently. That's the German sexiness, but then with Spanish he's got that little touch of, like, ooh, mystery, you know. Not saying that German people can't be mysterious. I'm sure they can, and I'm sure Spanish people can be very efficient. I'm just generalizing according to country-based stereotypes that I have learned through pop culture. Don't blame me. (laughs) I'm a slave to the system. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he definitely um, is listed. um, I'm just seeing here he's listed as a Spanish-German actor. In fact, he was born in Barcelona. Barcelona. Uh, so that's interesting. I love. I didn't know that. I, I assumed he was like full German. That's that's really interesting. Mm, no, he's got a little bit of extra Andalusian. No, not Andalusian. Was that? Uh, uh, um, Barcelona is uh, Catalonian. A little bit of Catalonian yes. bite. I really love doing the Spanish accent with the the, the, the list. Instead. Yeah, because it's it's not a it's it, like it's an adopted thing. They had a, I, th- I yes. think it's true. Like they had a, a ruler, a leader, a king, or someone who had a lisp, and so everyone started mm. pronouncing things with a and and V as a B, Valencia instead of Valencia because of a lisp. Yeah, because of one ruler's speech impediment. And that's why like South American Spanish and Mexican Spanish, they don't pronounce it like that because they mm. broke off before the leader came in. I just I think that's fascinating. And yeah, also, it just sounds really, really it sounds really fun to say Barcelona. <laughs> Just, Indeed. Yeah. It just is. It's that, like, that's it a makes, fun word to say. It makes your mouth feel funny and, <laughs> and sophisticated, weirdly. That's just me. I don't know. So Zemo dancing needs to be more of. I'm trying to look and see what else was in my list that I might have had something different to you, and I really have just sort of echoed everything you've said. <laughs> you know, is Sharon power broker? I think Stu is right. And 
Bucky was sad, I will comfort him, and Falcon is the negotiator. Carly threatened Sam's sister. So that will play out next episode, I imagine, too. But she's got to get – they're in Riga still, so they've got to get back to the US, I imagine. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I would say mm. so. Although, although it's interesting, I mean, I, I don't know whether the action will move to the US after this. I guess, like, if the Flag Smashers go on the run, but I don't know how they would get to the US. So I, I think the the action might stay in, in Eastern Europe for a while. I'm not sure. Possibly. Possibly. The other thing, I mean, the only other thing that I was sort of wondering about in this one, I I was thinking about it earlier, is that, you know, John Walker and um, and Battlestar, like, like Captain America and Battlestar running around, seem weirdly disconnected from any sort of hierarchy. Like, I, I, I get that they probably want to keep, you know, the, the uh, cast of characters relatively small. But, yes. you know, they I don't feel seem like to rep- there should be like a boss they're reporting to. That's right. They just seem to be, and considering that they were the ones who... Falcon and the Winter Soldier said, "You guys have a have bureaucracy. We're the rogue agents. We can we can work yeah. independently." But then Walker and Battlestar do seem to be just getting around town wherever they want. But as you they say, they seem it's to probably... be given a lot of leeway to just get out there and do stuff. I get the feeling though, if that was on purpose, it will be reined in after Cap smashed a guy's do you know a guy's face in with. Yes, uh-huh. that's right. A, a guy, I'm not sure whether you clock this, but he's the guy at the, at the start who's talking about how much he loves Captain America. Did you clock that? That's the guy who Carly is talking to, like, towards the start of the episode about how he grew up actually, like, really loving Captain America. Oh, yeah. Oh, that made me think of something. We're talking about one of her super soldier mates. Yes, he, yeah, yeah. So, so one of the actors who plays her, so not not him, but a, but a different a different guy, and his name, and I had it here in front of me just a second ago. Let me find it again. Um, there was Desmond, the hot Aussie, Desmond Kyan. There was the hot yeah, Aussie he's guy. He's the Aussie guy. Yeah, hot Aussie guy. Was he the one who um, got his face smashed in? No, no, no. So that was that's a different guy. So in real life, Desmond Kyan, the actor, yes, huge, grew up man. loving like as as an Asian Australian man, like grew up loving Captain America, which even he admits was weird, but it just it was what it was. But a, a different guy in the show, like a different character, Carly has a, a conversation with him at the start of the episode about yes. how he grew up actually really idolizing Captain America, and he and she's like, no, we can we can be better than he was. Oh my god, you know? you're so right. And then he gets his head bashed in. And by he him. gets his head bashed in with the cat with with the shield by I Captain believe, America. I can't believe I didn't notice that. So that's even more of a, a metaphor for American 20th uh, yes. century yeah, geopolitics and military intervention is we smash the heads in the of the people who see us as liberating heroes yes absolutely oh my god yeah it's a very good show i did think at the time i was like he's really talking about captain america a lot and then i just forgot but yeah (laughs) well in hindsight like i should have i should have spotted that earlier like like i'm 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 smarter than that like i i will normally pick up on stuff like that that guy may as well have been wearing a sign saying dead meat red shirt you know like (laughs) He was going to die, and the 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 show kind of telegraphed its punch there a little bit. But when when it happened, I was like, oh, okay, that's why that conversation was there. All right, cool. I did a bit of that. I've been watching. Uh, I've been getting into the TV show Line of Duty. Have you ever watched that one? Oh no, I haven't. No. It's a it's like a cult British police procedural that's been going since 2012. But they, I think they just launched the sixth season recently so it's kind of come back up again and I it's one of those shows that had been on my list but because it's got five seasons on Netflix I went I just I know I'm going to get sucked in so I better just not watch it and then of course with the week that I've been having I'm like I just want like a crime show I just want something that's going to be kind of like a bit gripping (laughs) but also a bit popcorny and I'll I'll try this line of duty and then yeah five hours I'd watch the first season (laughs) I was like damn it but they had a, they had a few moments because I've watched the first two seasons now. But I've had a few moments where I've gone, oh no, wait, she's done this, he's done that, she's, done, and then I was like, ah, but yeah. And so I felt very proud of myself when I worked mm. out because I'm so bad at seeing. <laughs> I I just don't jump forward normally. I'm I just don't think about it. I just kind of let shows wash over me. So to actually yeah. kind of go, but wait, hang on, she did, and he, and the, ah, and the surveillance tapes were, oh, and then the, oh yes, and the, oh. And the photographs were, and yeah, so that that was I felt I felt smart. Did you know, Stu, that uh, this week marks uh, marked ten years since the premiere of Game of Thrones season one? I had seen that, which again makes me feel very old. Uh, yeah, I know it's it's a thing. It was a show that we loved, and we spent a lot of time discussing. And uh, did you see that they released a new trailer for season eight? 
or rather a yeah I guess a trailer is the best word for it except that because it's obviously happened they they put in stuff that was a bit spoilerific it was really interesting it's like they recut sort of the trailer and included stuff and no I completely missed that was that put out by HBO or yeah yeah they did an official kind of recut of season eight um, oh, well, I'll have to go back and have a look at that. That's amazing. Yeah. That sounds really cool, actually. It makes season eight just look like, yeah, that looks really cool. Because obviously <laughs> it's a trailer and they, you know, had shots of the battle and shots of, they had the shot of Danny like walking out of the Red Keep with the, with the wings. With the dragon wings dragon behind her. Dragon wings yeah, behind yeah. her and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah, it was bittersweet because I love that show. <laughs> well, with any luck, there will be more Game of Thrones content for us to talk about soon. Hopefully. Why is that? Oh, well, the, oh the you mean prequel, the, the, the shows that they're making? Like, yeah. like once they make these shows, we can talk about them. I just, I'm, I'm keen to talk about them because it'll be fascinating. I, think. I am too, but I just don't. I, it's like one of those things of I can't let myself believe because if they don't do it, then I'll be sadder. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. But you believe it when you're watching it. Mm. I saw some meme pop up on on various feeds and it was like every woman who has a story uh, like a, a story about a weird guy or guy who messed her around there's always a j name in there somewhere and i just went oh james bond and john snow checks out checks out <laughs> no one in real life but in my in my uh sensual life my mind life <laughs> that made that no sense I don't know. I'm just thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been taken for a ride by Jon Snow and James Bond. That happened in my mind. But <laughs> it's funny because it's sad. Um, <laughs> me. I mean me. I'm, I'm, I'm being self-deprecating. That's what yes. I do. Have we wrapped up this episode? Have we talked enough about what else was in this episode? Did they discover I anything unusual? Not that I can remember anyway. I think we've covered most of the main points and we as i said we started at the at the end which uh sort of flipped everything on its head but yes yeah he took the he took the serum so there will be consequences with a capital con it would have been funny if it was like there are cap sequences with a capital cap <laughs> cap sequences isn't a word Stu, let's make cap sequences a word so now that let's make it happen mate now that john walker has become cap and he's going to have to face consequences. He's facing capsequences. Absolutely. Mm. Which is also what happens if you eat too much capsicum. Mm. You have consequences. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I'm going slowly insane. Yep. So you have that in common with John Walker. I do have that in common with John Walker. Look, just shout out to Wyatt Russell. He's done such a good job. Amazing. Like, Absolutely amazing. To kind of make you care about a character where you kind of hate him, but also you're intrigued in what he's doing, but also you hate him because he's hashtag not my cap, and, but also to make him much more relatable than Steve Rogers potentially could be because Steve Rogers is such an angelic, beautiful man in all ways. Yeah. To actually go, oh, if I was cap, I'd probably be more like John Walker. That's true. It is, and he's a he's a a modern soldier with everything that that entails. Like Steve Rogers was a member of the Greatest Generation who was fighting the Nazis. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was of his time, and he was one of the greatest of his generation. And then John Walker is he's a modern soldier with everything that entails. Hey, all here's the moral a... gray areas that a lot of a lot of modern wars sort of entail. Even his age, like I mean, he's younger than you or I, Natalie. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing that you have to wrap your head around. Well, this is the thing I was going to say is how weird is it that thanks to Iraq and Afghanistan, American movies have a conflict that they can refer to that's within living memory enough that your heroes can still be sexy young people? Yes, yeah. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you remember yeah. how like, one of the interesting things about Top Gun, which is 1985, is that they're fighting enemies, engaging in enemies, but there's no, like, who are the enemies? Because there's no actual conflict you're assuming yeah, there, there wasn't there wasn't currently a war that would be plausible for them to be fighting. That's right. There's no sort of hot yeah. war that they could be a part of. And you don't want to actively state that it's China or Russia or whoever else it could have been. So or somewhere in the Middle East or something. So you just have fighter pilots in very dark helmets so you can't see their faces. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, they've got full face helmets on. And and funnily enough, Hot Shots, which is the parody of Top Gun, has a mm. more accurate war reference because they include Saddam Hussein because we'd gone into Iraq yes. or America had gone yeah, into Iraq right. to fight Saddam Hussein the first time around. And so they were able to make jokes about Iraq 
and have Saddam yeah. Hussein as the villain and in Hot Shots 2 as well. Whereas Top Gun was the original film, didn't have that. <laughs> so I just, no, that's right. Exactly. It's fascinating. I, I always find that really well, my favorite example of that, about how things change, but they always stay the same, is that in the original Sherlock Holmes stories, John Watson is an army veteran medic who served in Afghanistan. Yes. Right? In Victorian times. Yes, in like and the 1880s. Then, yeah. Yeah, and then when they rebooted uh, the show for the BBC series Sherlock, <laughs> they didn't have to change his origin story <laughs> at all. He was an ex-army medic who served in Afghanistan. Yeah, and it's... Time it's is just, a flat circle and all that. That's right. But it's just interesting that if there was no Iraq and Afghanistan, where would you put in backstory? You'd have to invent a, a war, essentially, I think, for a lot of these... Sure. Yeah. people like you remember how i guess in um i'm gonna bring up i guess commando or what's the other one with the pe- predator and stuff 80s movies yeah. and license to kill it's always like south american drug dealers south american, and yeah. you know coups and military dictators and stuff like that so they kind of because there wasn't i guess that was more of it you could go ah oh, yes arnold schwarzenegger learned his chops in the jungles of south america against revolutionaries and that sort of thing whereas now you would just go oh yes he was in iraq and afghanistan did three tours of duty saw some shit and it's real not that south america yeah totally and and it's a lived experience that a lot of people would relate to that's right so heaps of shows i kind of can think of had uh, plot lines where someone had been a veteran of iraq and afghanistan and you're like oh yeah iraq and afghanistan it's really interesting how you use wars as the date point there will come a time, I mean, depending on how long America is quagmired in Afghanistan for, I suppose, but there will come a time where those wars won't, will be too far in the past and will we have had another war or will we have to kind of invent another skirmish Well, absolutely. I mean, like you know, the Marvel Universe has run into that problem itself with the origin stories of several characters because most of them had pretty strong ties to Vietnam. And actually, I think... I think Iron Man was Korea initially. I might be misremembering that, but but for a long time it was Vietnam. Like like the war that he was originally, that Tony Stark was injured in was Vietnam. And mm. then they had to start updating it a bit because it was just getting too long. Like if he'd been injured in Vietnam, he would be like a 60-year-old man. Yes. So so he got updated and, and then landed in Afghanistan. Yes. And, and, uh... and even that is starting to get a little bit, like as the timeline sits it's fine at the moment but if they ever reboot the franchise they'll have to sort of you know change that up a bit uh yes it's saying on wikipedia that iron man was a anti-communist hero defeating various vietnamese agents yes lee later regretted this early focus the the character in the comics like spends a lot of his time as he does in the mcu like being an anti-arms dealer you know like trying to make the world better instead of making more guns oh I'm sad that he's gone. Or will he come back? I don't know. Will he come back? Tony Stark come hey, back? I mean, you never know. No one's ever, no one's ever really dead. Yeah, because who else is dead? Like, Steve Rogers is apparently gone and dead. Well, Black, Steve's, Steve's Black gone. Widow? I mean, Black Widow's dead at the moment. But, yeah, she died uh, in, like, a creepy weird land with the Red Skull guy. Like, I don't know that that exactly. qualifies. There's, there's wiggle room. There is there is absolutely wiggle room. I mean, she technically was absorbed by the Soul Stone, I guess, so... So she just you know, lives in Vision's mind? I mean, maybe. Like, like, yeah, like the Soul Stone was destroyed theoretically, but oh, what no, does he that was mean the, for her? He was the Mind Stone, wasn't he? He was the Vision. Mind Stone, yeah. All right. Uh, the yeah. Soul Stone, like, I what feel happens like you, there? Like, there's ways. There's ways to, to bring her back. I feel like um, you never truly die in, like, a comic book movie. Well, ironically, um, Uncle Ben and Bucky were the two characters who were never allowed to be resurrected, and then they resurrected Bucky, so... Oh, I don't know. Maybe so, the starring Uncle Ben is, is coming is coming up soon. So all this stuff with Bucky is just MCU films, not the comics. No, no, no. Like they broke the rule. Like it was said to be an ironclad rule that like lots of people come back from the dead in comic books, but like the two who stay dead were Uncle Ben, which is obviously Spider Man's Uncle Ben, and Bucky. Like Bucky stays dead because like what we what would you even do if he came back? And then it turns out, yeah, like <laughs> there's lots of interesting stories to tell. That. Brainwashed super He'd be soldier. A badass brainwashed super soldier. I just never understood because um, he fell off he fell off a train and died that way. Like he fell into a gaping chasm in which. Yeah, no, I in, mean, like you know, I, I think the idea is maybe he fell in like water or something, or fell in deep snow fell in, and then was captured. Fell in a snowdrift. 
Okay, no that and... So Steve just didn't really bother <laughs> trying to find him then. He was like, oh, no, he's clearly gone. Yeah, I mean, I guess. It's kind of weird. I mean, they were, they were deep behind enemy lines at that point. But, true, you know, true. Got to focus on I the mission. Got to focus yeah, on the mission. focus on the mission. And pretty soon after, he uh, he went into the ice himself. So. Oh, yeah, good point. They didn't grow their hair in the ice. Well, Bucky seemed to, but Steve didn't. Well, I think because Bucky was often brought out of stasis and was uh, around, uh, okay. whereas Steve was, like, frozen. So he was snap, snap frozen to keep in the freshness for uh, 70 years. Like peas. Like beverage farm peas, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's bring this clam bake to an end. We've talked thoroughly about episode four of Wild Stallion and the Sexy Guy. Next week, more Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we'll be discussing whatever happens with Cap and his smashy, smashy, facey, facey. Indeed. (laughs) If you enjoyed this podcast or indeed just have things to say, please give us a call. Uh, And you can do that by hitting us up on Twitter. I'm at Girl Clumsy. Stu is at Disco Stu. He doesn't need to advertise. Uh, you can also find us on www.facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne. And if you would like to support the creative things I do, you can go to www.patreon.com slash girlclumsy. Thank you to all of my patrons. You are supremely wonderful. And I honestly, oh, it's been a year. So thank you so much is, is really all I can say. You are amazing. Uh, Stu, how are we going to sign off this week's podcast? Well, uh, instead of a catchphrase, let's just uh, slip out quietly through a grate in the toilet. Okay, <laughs> you first. <laughs> <laughs> Clear the way. <laughs> we'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye.